A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I am delighted to bring back one of my very first guests who I can't stop thinking about her first episode and it's been almost three years. I can't believe it um, because it was so fun and we're going to get into some of that today too. But it is the wonderful and fabulous Denise Carcos, who is the CMO of SiriusXM and Pandora. So Denise, hi and welcome back. Oh, thanks so much, Nadine. This is fun. Love being with you. Oh, absolutely. I, I was saying earlier, it's, it's so weird. I've heard your episode so many times. When we first got back on the line today, I felt like I was listening to the episode again. It was bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, you need to find something else to do with your, your time making this. <laughs> That's so true. But your episode was so fun. It was called Get Out of Your Own Way. And um, I keep thinking about all these cool points that you made and, and some funny moments we had. So we'll revisit some of those, especially the girl in the bush. Oh, my God. Great. I'll, I'll never forget that. Well, we have so much to talk about today. But, but you know, you just took on – well, you didn't just. You were – uh, at the time at TD Ameritrade, and then you moved into an entirely different industry. You were in financial services and you moved to entertainment into this new role. So first let's hear about your new role. And, and I think maybe for the listeners tuning in, I mean, SiriusXM and Pandora combined is already massive, but there's so many parts to that. Can you just kind of explain um, <clears throat> explain the, the brand? Yeah, um, I'm so happy to. Thanks again for having me back again. And I didn't tell you, but today is my one-year anniversary at SiriusXM and Pandora. Oh, congratulations. So, um, thank you. Thank you. It's funny because it's like you think about when you're coming into a new company, all that you will know by this point. And you know, I would say that this is one of the most complicated businesses that I've had the pleasure of working at. And so I will talk a little bit about SiriusXM and Pandora and the complicated business model that, that they both share. And so 
SiriusXM bought Pandora about a year and a half ago, and SiriusXM is really made up of two businesses. One is what we're known most for, which is having satellite radio in the car, an incredibly fascinating world. I mean, I'm on staff with astrophysicists to understand satellite redundancy and technology. And then, you know, I pivot and then we're talking about the other part of the business, which is SiriusXM streaming and our, our app and our ability to broaden our value proposition outside the car to listeners who just want to listen on their phone or connected device, um, much closer to my background and my world than satellite technology. Uh, but still, it starts to kind of you know, indicate all the different things that I'm learning at this company, which is fascinating to me. Then you bring on Pandora, and you've got a B2B and a B2C business. And so kind of adding to all the learning, you know, the, the Pandora app and the B2C business and growing listeners in a very competitive environment, again, much closer to home in my background. Um, but then you've got also the, the B2B business, and, and our revenue is largely coming from ad sales. And so growing up as a, a media buyer, um, I love that world too, even though it's not my accountability. I do love being able to connect with the sales force, understand everything that we're packaging up and offering to advertisers. But again, another whole part of you know, what I'm learning, which is you know, B2B and B2C, satellite and streaming. And so it's, it's taking you know, a long time to really feel like a, any kind of subject matter expert across all of this. You know, those are the businesses, all to say we keep buying companies too. So we just bought uh, Stitcher. We plan on closing that deal in about a week or so. And then we have partnerships with the SoundCloud. And, and so if you take Pandora and SiriusXM and Stitcher and SoundCloud, you know, we are the, the number one ad-supported audio business in, in the country with over 150 million listeners a month. Um, so it's a big job. It's an awesome job. And I'm so grateful to have it. Wow. Okay. I'm, I feel like being in, incredibly selfish right now because this podcast airs across all those channels and I'm like, hmm, I need some tips. Um, but I, I'll go, I, will not, I will not do that here. Great. Maybe I'll s- send you an email afterwards. But so cool. I did not know you purchased Stitcher. When did that news go out? I missed that. Yeah, it was, it was um, probably went out in the press about a month ago and it's not closed yet, but um, yeah, I can speak publicly about it because it was in the press and it should close very soon. Awesome. Well, congrats. That's super cool. They're a fun platform for sure. Obviously a massive shift for you. Uh, you mentioned you were in financial services for, was it 13 years? 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then you took all this on and I don't even know how to even ask you this question, but like, how did you get through the first year between learning and leading and having all these teams? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a few things. One is, um, the thing I have learned my whole career is that it is it is all about the team. And the thing that really appealed to me for this role was the fact that um, Pandora had been a new acquisition. And so there was a team in Oakland, California that had been absorbed by the New York Series XM brand. And there were two CMOs and then the job was being combined in, into one. And so my you know, first matter of business was to actually look at the two teams and figure out like how to make the best, you know, central 
team mm-hmm. uh, versus two separate teams across two brands. And so, you know, that I took my time on that because I started in October. We all went home in March because of COVID um, and just wanted to make sure that I was handling things delicately. And in the end, you know, we, we just finally reorganized about two months ago and we did it uh, with a very specific kind of construct in mind, which was, first of all, we didn't have any turnover. We, we kept the players in the field that we have because we have a lot of legacy knowledge that is really helpful. People who really know how to get things done at the company and know the business really well. And I have a lot of really talented people. So really blessed the fact that I was able to walk into an environment where I had top talent. So I organized by capability. And so making sure that I was leaning into people's strengths and giving people the opportunity to actually work across both brands for their own career development. I mean, I think it's a gift to walk into a company that has a portfolio of brands and giving people the opportunity to stretch and work across multiple brands. And so that has really been well received. There was like no noise whatsoever. People are jumping into their roles and, you know, whether you're the head of brand and advertising or head of performance marketing, those are skills that are applicable across both. That to me was the first order of business, even though it took a long time to do it right, I I wouldn't have done it any other way. And and then I would just say about the actual transition itself, when I was looking for a role, I, I wouldn't have known that I would have walked into two incredibly big entertainment brands that was looking for somebody who understood how to merge teams across cultures, because that is exactly what I had done at TD Ameritrade when we acquired Scott Trade um, and in previous acquisitions prior to that. So it was all set up really nicely for me. But if I go back and rewind that journey, I was so happy with my team and my job and you know, my level of contribution at TD. And they had done so good to me for the 13 years I was there. But, you know, I, I knew there would come a time and I, I always am wildly planful about my career. And this is probably the hardest jump because there was no reason to leave. There, there really wasn't. Like nothing was broken. I still, you know, got out of bed every morning looking forward to going to work. At the same time, I had built a successor and I had built a team and things were kind of running better than they ever had. And, you know, as I looked at my 13-year tenure across TD Bank and TD Ameritrade, and then I looked at my age, I think I was, what, 48 at the time, and realizing, you know, I probably have two jobs left and, and really thinking that planfully, probably the right time to, to make a switch and, and take on a new challenge. And the real enabler to my move out of the category was any, you know, I think as a CMO, you, you get the benefit of getting great phone calls from recruiters just because you've got that title, but then you build really meaningful relationships. And I made sure that the calls I was getting started to change in their complexion, that they weren't all around financial services because I wanted to make a, a leap into a different category, something that lit me up a little bit more than financial services. I wanted to go into sports or entertainment and started, you know, put that, that feeler out there and had the right contacts in that category uh, by the time I was ready. So when the time came when I was resolute that I was going to leave, um, it, it wasn't that tough to get on the radar of the right companies. And then, you know, this one rose to the top and it just couldn't be a better fit for me. 
Um, and I had no idea how, how big and complicated it was going to be, but it was just the challenge I was looking for. Wow. You know, I, I want to talk about the fact that you mentioned, I, hey, I, I took a moment to reflect and this is where I am in my life. I have two jobs left probably in me. And, and that thinking, that thought process, it's not unlike a lot of conversations I've been having because, you know, I'm, I'm actually your same age um, and a lot mm-hmm. of our friends are our same age and it's the conversation yeah. right now, which is really interesting. And I, I will tell you until the last couple of years, I wasn't even thinking like that, but it's an interesting thought process. So I want to come back and talk to you about that. Um, too, I can't help but giggle a little bit because you right off the bat, you're like, keep the players in the field. And you are <laughs> like the most sports oriented person I do know, actually. And I remember in your first podcast, when I asked you the question, which I'm not going to ask you again, because I already asked you, um, what would you be if you weren't a CMO? You said soccer player. And exactly. You are all about team and sports and, you know, has, has that changed? Because I think that's how you approach your career is as a, as a soccer player or a coach. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it has not, not changed at all. And, you know, throughout my career, if I get the opportunity to do a presentation and I come off of a a stage, I, I get the same feedback, which is you seem so real. And I always thought that's code for not polished when I stop sifting um, through to find the negative and focus on the positive, I think that that's really benefited me. Like I, I am who I am and um, I am most authentic when I'm talking about stuff I know. And when I try to veer off and talk in either about a category or a subject or just start to change a little bit of the packaging, that's not my comfort zone. And, you know, I feel like I've done just fine being 100% authentic to myself. And so I think where that's playing you know, forward now is everyone's at home. Some people are by themselves for six, seven months now in studio apartments, um, and it crushes me. I have people easily reaching out to me, asking me for advice on my team or looking for help or me reaching out to them. We have weekly Zoom calls with the entire department where I either bring in guest speakers or we just talk as a team, just ways to stay connected as a, as a team of you know, 200. It, it's, it's paramount to my job, but it's also core to my being of who I am as a person. And I think at a time of crisis, that is only helping me lead even better and bringing the team together. Absolutely. I can't thank you enough for just being who you are. And I think that's probably why your podcast stuck with me so well, because you gave so much honest, candid, real advice. I encourage everybody to go listen to it. But um, I I wanted to bring forward one thing that you said too um, about your career development. It, It was called get out of your own way. And you were talking about how it's so easy to beat yourself up every day um, and have negative thoughts. If, if you're overthinking something, you you want to talk a little bit about that because I think that coaching is even more important through this time period where people are feeling isolated. Yeah. And it's so true because all you're left with at the end of the day is you you go from one room to the other and and you're stuck with your thoughts. You don't even have a commute to kind of get it out. Um, So I'll tell you since day one being home, I've committed to five o'clock getting in the car with my husband and going for a drive because it acts as a demarcation point. So I don't just all of a sudden go into 
boss mode with him, which won't fare well for me. Um, <laughs> so just <laughs> that little demarcation point in the day, go for a drive, get out of your system, and then come back. And whether I have to work or whether I can just have dinner, yeah, it, it just it served me well to have um, a nice break. So to to your your question, you know, I have learned so much by trial and error, and the places where I have really sacrificed my own success have been when I get subsumed with people's perspectives of me and the way I showed up in a meeting or the way I answered a question or didn't answer a question or I feel like maybe I fumbled through something or I could have done something better. And I go home and, like everybody, think about I've just ruined it and I'm, I'm not going to ever get that next promotion or whatever that might be. You know, and there was a gentleman, Tim Vidal, um, at VIA, an agency in Portland, Maine. And we went into John Coleman, the owner and president of the agency, and practiced a new business pitch one day. And at the end of the pitch, John just said, okay, that works. And we left and I was crushed. And I said to Tim, he, he hated it. And he goes, why do you say that? I'm like, it was such a mediocre, lukewarm reaction. And Tim looked at me and said, do you have any idea what he has going on? And I looked at him and he said, you know, he has to worry about the livelihood of everyone in this agency, the revenue that's coming in the door, the clients that are won and lost. Get, get perspectives. It's not all about this presentation for him. It might be for you, but it's not for him. And it was the exact slap in the face that I needed to wake up. And so that's where I get this, get out of your own head, get out of your own way. Like, it's not all about you. And don't be such an egotist to think that everyone goes home at night and is still thinking about the mess up in the presentation. They're not. You are. And why, why waste that energy? Or give yourself 24 hours and get over it. Um, put parameters around the negativity so you can get in and get out. Um, it's natural. Everyone does it, but you, you just can't let that slow you down. I take my own advice on that one because it never ends. You know, you, every day that you're in work, you're in, in business, you're talking to different people, you're going to come up against an argument or a way you could have done something better. And, and I'd say maybe in the, the companion point I have to that, which um, is maybe just for me, but maybe it'll help somebody else too. In reality, the way you're really going to feel better Sure, if you mess up or you do make a mistake or you, know, you do slip up, um, give yourself the, the, the wallowing of 24 hours and get over it. But you're, for me, I don't really feel better, another sports reference, until I put another single on, <laughs> until I put another single on the board. Like, you know, I, it motivates me to do something better, more impactful that I can tangibly point to that helps my confidence. So for me, it's the one-two punch of, Know that there's a moment in time that you're going to slip up, get over it. But then if you really want to feel better about yourself and get that confidence back, make something happen. Wow. I'm motivated. I, 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 I've got to go do stuff. <laughs> and, and I'm also very selfish with you because I want to go back and revisit some other points. But let's talk about putting those wins on the board because, man, you took on so much coming into – Sirius X7 Pandora with what you described as well, the complexity, but you have put up major wins already in just a year. Can we talk about some of the cool things that you're working on? Sure, sure. Again, this is all about the team because there's no way I can walk in, understand the complexities of these two businesses and also put tangible wins on the board, but I can 
push to get the best out of the people who are on the team. And I think um, I've, I've done a, a good job of, of that, but credit to them. And so you know, the, I think the most interesting thing for, for me to talk about is, you know, like any brand, what do you do when you're in a pandemic and how do you show up and, and how do you pivot or lean into your strategy? And for us, it's incredible what SiriusXM specifically did to the business to pivot. You, what we had was, you know, I was walking the halls with our talent, you know, the, the Howard Stearns of the world, Jenny McCarthy, Kevin Hart, Jeff Lewis, like these are all of our, um, our talent that are broadcasting from the skyscrapers in you know, Manhattan. Uh, so now everyone's home. And so what happens to your business model? And our team stood up studios in everyone's home. You know, in, they, they built capabilities to have the highest audio quality systems for the talent in their own homes. And so if they're going to be doing that and turning it around in a week's time, I better be ready to tell the world about it. Um, and so what our CEO did is he stood up three times a week calls with all of the programmers who were in the throes of, you know, working on how to set up these studios and how to get Howard back on air, um, how to get our programming back live, how to get sports. Like, what do you do with sports when there are no sports? What's your strategy? And so there was just hundreds of these conversations with hundreds of talent across news, entertainment, music, sports. Um, and so listening to the ability to really miss a week and then get back up and get it running again and have some of the highest caliber programming. Uh, we had a lot of home DJ series. So Bruce Springsteen on E Street Radio, you know, narrating and telling the stories behind the music and Eddie Vedder. And it's just incredible. And so, you know, you think about that. My previous life was I had a market and exchange trade fund and, and that was hard. This is a golden platter for me. So what I'm, what I'm most proud of was that we quickly put a campaign in market that talked about the fact that SiriusXM can be a place of escapism for you. This was at the time when every car commercial was out there talking about, we know this is tough times, we know this is hard, and no discredit to those companies, it was the right tone for the time. But when I was going to launch um, weeks later, I wanted to be ready to pivot to the emotions that would probably be um, in the moment. And that was about escapism. Mm -hmm. And so we, we didn't try to take on a role that our brand shouldn't play. We're an entertainment brand. And so um, we went out and we, we compiled a lot of footage from all of our talent at home, recording, stitched it together, um, put together a lot of video assets online and offline OTT, and put a huge social campaign out. And we made our service free. We have one of the more you know, expensive subscriber services. And because we also have doctor radio and a lot of health information, you know, we, we believe that yes, we're a place for escapism, but also open it up for free and give people access to either news, entertainment, music, whatever they might want. And that was just wildly successful. And I love that story just because of I'm drafting off of what the rest of the business is doing. And I'm marveling at them and I owe it to them to shine a spotlight. And that's what I think is my job. Wow. 
Okay, there you go again. You're drafting off the business. Okay, so <laughs> how many sports can we cover? This is awesome. I love it. I feel like I'm in the game. It's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that goes back to a little bit about what we were talking about with team health. And how do you create a little relief? Now, you talked about for yourself that you um, take that time at the end of the day to go for a drive. You take time with your team to give them uh, re- reinforcement, support, different things to think about. You, you're doing it through the platform. Are there any other tips that you have learned in leading your teams that's, that's healthy for other leaders to consider to kind of create a little stress relief right now at this moment in time? Um, yeah, I, I am talking to every one of my team members one-on-one. And so it's going to take a long time, but why not? We're leaders. And like I said, I, I was only a few months in before we went into lockdown and I had been traveling the country trying to meet everybody, but I, I, I wasn't able to, um, ran out of time. And so just a 15 minute touch base, no pressure, just a chit chat, just to know like, you know, I, how are you, how are you coping? Uh, how can I help? I, I don't think there's any better way to spend your time. Yeah, that's great advice. And we actually have pretty substantial collaboration teams. We have about 90 CMOs and innovators participating in them. And one of them is called Team Health because it's so important right now. And we had a, our first meeting a few weeks ago. We have our second one coming up here. And there were lots of ideas going around. But I think the big thing in the eye-opening moment is what we thought was short-term is right. turning into long-term. And when you think about how that creates a need to have a different approach from reactive to proactive, it inevitably requires different leadership skills and maybe some that the world isn't ready for or hasn't been honed because everyone's operating remotely still. And that's not planned to end anytime soon, really, right? That's right. And I I think about the, the introverted leaders, which I love, as you can tell, that is not me, but I surround (laughs) myself with introverts to diversify my own approach. And I'm lucky I kind of was was born as a hyperactive person. So it's not, (laughs) that's not hard for me. Um, So again, just leaning into what's natural. I I think that um, leaning into things that aren't natural, that's where the the true test is. Mm -hmm. Well, and and that's a really interesting point. have there been moments that you've been faced with something you had to lean into something that was quote unnatural? How did you approach that? I would say the the hardest conversations I have had to have and the question is, would they be as hard if we were in person has been around the social injustice and, you know, on a Zoom call with 200 faces in everything's happening in the world. How do you have that conversation with your team? And that's hard for me. That requires practice. That requires a ton of reading and education and conversations to prep. And I didn't get those things right. I I called the protests riots and I got feedback and I owned it. I'm like, I, 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 you're right. Like I, I'm using the wrong language. I even talked to my HR, you know, partners and, and they just said imperfect conversations are better than no conversations. And, and I, I've been holding that torch to say, I think that's probably right. I have to get better. Um, but, you know, I think that's hard because I feel distanced trying to have 
the most important conversations we can have around diversity and inclusion and what's happening in our country. Um, and I find those to be the hardest ones that I'm learning the most from. Mm-hmm. And, and yet you, you've managed to really own that. I love that. And, and also drive change uh, with your organization. You have an entire program around Black voices and social justice now. Is that right? We do. We have a new head of diversity and inclusion. We have a multicultural team as a center point across both brands. So um, we're, we have put a lot of actions behind our words, which I'm really proud of the company. And thank you for doing that. So important. And, and you're right. These have been tough conversations. I mean, we've hosted six summits now in the last six, less than six months. And each one is important. And it's with, uh, around different communities. We had a state of revolt for the, the Black community, the Asian American Summit, the Hispanic Latin American Summit, the Disability yeah. Summit, and the Pride Summit. And I'm so proud of everyone in the marketing community for really rallying to hear and to listen and to learn. And I agree with you. Having the conversation is most important right now so everyone can learn from it. Otherwise, if we don't talk about it, nobody grows, right? That's exactly right. And and it has been an incredible time for all those conversations. I I love the work that's being done um, with your health meeting. Oh, well, thank you. And you are part of that. You're on our steering committee. So technically, this is all your fault that we're doing this because (laughs) (laughs) I remember in April 2019 on the committee, you guys said focus and uh, and really focusing on diversity inclusion was one of the things that you and the committee encouraged us to do and something we had been doing, but we put a lot more focus against it uh, thanks to you. So appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, oh boy, we're coming up to the end of our spot and I'm really sad because I have a thousand more questions for you. So um, I'm going to ask you, I actually have a couple questions left for you. Um, One is, what are you excited that you're working on right now? What's getting you really motivated? Because you're always excited about something. Yeah, our Q4 is going to be a great Q4 across both brands. So um, we've, we've got some incredible talent um, that, that we're working with. And holidays and music, uh, as you can imagine, is just uh, off the charts formula. So the holiday season is going to be really strong for us. And so um, without naming the names, we've got a few big ones that we're working with. And, you know, put it this way, the, the briefs I'm reviewing now are, are, are ones I never thought I'd be reviewing, and they're, they're pretty cool. Uh, so I'm excited about the talent that we're going to have on both services in Q4. That's going to be fun stuff. Super cool. Um, okay. Uh, I have two more questions. Bear with me. I just, I have to get them in here. They're so, I love them. And <laughs> I love them because they're fun. And also this, this next one has, is rooted in the fact that this has stuck with me as one of the best pieces of career advice I've ever heard in my life. So I've now set you up uh, and you're probably going, oh my God, what is she talking about? Um, But you said in your first podcast, I know people can go back and listen to it, but it's so important. I want you to say it again. You learned a very, very valuable lesson when you were frustrated one day and you had spent all this time preparing, went into someone's office, gave them a great wonderful pitch walked out and then you went and asked your boss why does he not see me as strategic 
Yeah. Um, just funny. Someone just posted a, an article that was all about why, why aren't I seeing a strategic, I think was the, the headline. And it, to me, it's like the most, I'm doing all this personality tests and all that. And, you know, for me, like I always win on woo, which is winning others over. And like, I want to win on strategic, but of course, we're all strategic. We wouldn't be in these jobs if we, if we weren't. We just have other strengths that, that complement them. Uh, this particular example was, I, I just love feedback that you can apply that next meeting, the next day. And this was that. So when I left this particular meeting, I just, you just know, like, it's one thing about being self-aware, but then there's another thing about being aware of how others perceive you. And I do think it's different. And like, I feel like I knew how I showed up. I think I showed up well, but I wasn't getting the reaction or the reception. And again, this is an overthinking thing. This is about soliciting the feedback so that I can get better and better with these relationships that are important to my career. Um, and so I, I trusted somebody in that same meeting. That's a huge part of my strategy is I surround myself with people who are going to give me honest feedback and that I can give honest feedback to. That never ends um, in this particular instance. Um, the, the person said to me, you just, you, you were probably the one in kindergarten in the front row raising your hand and answering every question first. And I was like, <laughs> well, I, I, I like to think I was. Um, and, 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 and that's not what anyone's looking for from you anymore. Um, that is perceived as tactical and not thoughtful. Um, if you are always jumping to an answer, you're not getting paid for that. You're getting paid to ask the next four questions. Go deeper, probe more. Um, and honestly, it's not that you're not strategic, it's that you're eager to answer and it's, it's, it's hurting your perception. And literally the next meeting, I just simply asked a couple more questions and then the next day, same thing. And, and I, I was always thinking, well, that's going to, that's going to slow things down. We can just cut to the chase. But again, that's not what certain leaders want. They want the contemplative thought process. That's what they're paying you for. And I don't think that's a one-size-fits-all tactic, but it is knowing your audience and knowing who's going to find more value in that style. Um, so that's why I, I love that because it was wildly applicable, um, tangible advice I could, I could take right away. It was fantastic advice. I think about it all the time. Even though I have a podcast where I spend my whole time asking questions, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in my <laughs> professional life when I'm having to talk yeah. to my CEO, right? So I really appreciate that piece of advice. I think it's brilliant. And like you said, very, very applicable and something everyone can do. Okay. So my last question, and because I had already asked you, what would you do if money and talent were no object, if you weren't a CMO? And we all know it'd be a soccer player or coach. Um, and clearly that has not changed. I want to ask you uh, one more piece of advice and it's based on the funny part around being a girl in a bush and it's not just for yeah. girls. It's anybody who's struggling with this. So this will be really fun. Go ahead. Sure. I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. It's not just for girls, it's for anybody, but, but the, the, the last podcast that we had the pleasure of doing was uh, around just body language and people not realizing when they're actually like physically cowering because they're intimidated in the meeting. And, and this particular storyline was about someone cowering so much and trying to hide that they ended up literally in a bush. And so, <laughs> and, and I don't even know, you know, if they would have known it had I not talked to them about it afterwards. And so fast feedback is, is paramount too. So 
I, I, I do hesitate at, on the mentor-mentee language because I feel like people feel there's formality to that. I am such a huge fan of using those terms to be way less formal and more about on the spot building trusted allegiances with people that will tell you when you're not showing up the right way, when you are showing up the right way. If you can build a relationship like that where people, the criticism doesn't hurt because you know they're in your fan club and you and theirs. I just don't think you can ever underestimate the power of trusting relationships, investing in those relationships, and then opening the door to feedback that never ends, like never stop. It doesn't stop when you get to have a scene or a title at all. We can always benefit from that kind of dialogue. Absolutely. Great advice as always. And Man, Denise, I wish I could stay on with you for a lot longer because we have a lot more to cover. But you and I will be talking again soon, I'm sure, because we've been doing a lot of cool stuff together. And Absolutely. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, you've been instrumental in leading us here at Adweek. So thank you for that. And I wish you all the best. Good luck with the holiday season. And let's talk again soon. Thanks, Nadine. You too. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.